General Keene, how are you, pal? I'm doing well. And yourself? I'm doing great. Uh, nice to have you back on the program. You heard Mike there describe this basically as a ransom payment. And really what it does is it incentivizes other enemies to grab Americans because who knows how many billions can come that way. Is that is it really that simple? Is he right? Yeah, he's absolutely right. I mean, this is a windfall of $6 billion, and the administration is trying to make the distinction that they're going to be able to control the distribution of this funds, and it's only going to go for humanitarian aid and economic assistance. Well, let's say that that's actually true. Well, that still provides $6 billion of relief for them that they can spend uh, on foreign policy, national security, and their malign behavior. However, listen, we've got 43 years of experience with this regime. They started it in the 1980s. They blew up our embassies. They blew up our barracks. They started a hostage-taking program that killed our CIA station chief and nearly brought down an administration because we were trading anti-tank weapons for hostages. With the Reagan administration, they came clean about what was doing. And they got a pass on it. But what we identified is that this has been a malign regime for 43 years. And we can't trust them no matter what they say. And that's just the reality of it. They're going to take the money and it's going to help them continue their aggressive behavior in the Middle East. And they have a single stated objective every single year. And they make this pronouncement every year. Our strategic objective is to dominate and control the Middle East and control the Persian Gulf flow of oil to drive the United States out of the Middle East and to destroy the state of Israel. And some people, I guess, may in our audience roll their eyes at that. But I take them at their word. I believe they're dead serious about all that I just said. And and making money off of hostages, as you call it, and, and Mike Pompeo calls it ransom, is part of their strategy. And absolutely, as much as we want the hostages to come home, and who isn't gratified with joy watching them be reunited with friends, family, and loved ones after coming down that gangplank? But my God, I mean, within the next two or three months, they're going to grab somebody else. Yeah. And why? Because yeah. it, it's in their interest to do so. That's what we're facing. Yeah. And we're not tough enough on them. I mean, we should slam them hard for what they do and, and, and go after not just at, at Jihad. We, we should go after the entire regime and double down on sanctions and be very, very tough on it. And we're just we're not doing all of that. No, we're the exact we're the exact opposite. Let's not forget that this president about to speak at the U.N. in about an hour was part of the administration with uh, Obama, who I couldn't stand. And John Kerry, who's the biggest phony in America today. Those two bastards, uh, General Jack, put together the Iran deal, which I know for a fact, because I've got friends in Tel Aviv, Jerusalem, and Germany, that Iran never, ever complied with, not from day one. They continued to collect nuclear stuff to make sure they can make their bombs. And now you get Biden in charge, and now he's talking about getting that deal going again and giving them $6 billion. What is it about the Obama-slash-Biden administration where they actually place their allegiances to Iran before America? Explain that to me. Yeah, they, going back to the Obama administration, I know this for a fact. After he was elected and prior to him actually assuming office, his national security team conceptualized that President Obama's greatest foreign policy achievement could be similar to Nixon, who reached out to China 
by reaching out to Iran and settling the deal with them and ending the strife in the Middle East. And that, and during that period of time, before he became president, took the oath. He wrote a leader. He wrote a letter to the supreme leader, trying to lay out a plan for them to come together. So it's no surprise that they reached out with the so-called nuclear deal, which was an abomination, as we all know, because it guaranteed the Iranians to have a nuclear weapon with no restrictions uh, when the clause, the sunset clauses were over. And President Biden came in, and within 30 days of his administration, he reached out to Iran to restart the deal. At the same time, he stiffened the Arabs in the region and pushing back on the Israelis, particularly after Prime Minister Netanyahu comes back into power. So what is that picture? Appeasing the Iranians, stiffening the Arabs, and pushing back on the Israelis when we should be bringing the Israelis and the Arabs together in a coalition against Iran. The strategy dealing with Iran in the Middle East has been wrong through both of those administrations. And they put us in jeopardy by these policy mistakes and malfeasance. You know, i got a personal story for you. I've got a friend, uh, General Jack. Her name is Shirley Stotloff. Okay? She's a nice old Jewish lady that lives down in South Florida. And her son, Stephen, who was a nice kid, Miami Heat fan, he was a writer, he was one of the two guys that was beheaded by Jihadi John. The other, of course, was the journalist Foley. And she said to me, me and my husband, Arnie, we begged and pleaded with Barack Obama. They wanted a ransom. My husband would give them whatever they want. If they wanted $10 million, we'd find it. We just wanted our Stephen home. And you know what she got instead? A video of his son's head being severed by the man standing behind him. So my question to you is very simple. How do these bastards make up their minds who to bring home and not? Yeah, well, that is absolutely shameful, disgraceful behavior. I don't know how you can face the family of the American people participating in something in something like that. That's an absolute disgrace. No, our policy here is just dead wrong. And that's, that's the reality of it. And we're not nearly tough enough on this regime. The other thing, when they came into power and and started the appeasing the, the Iranians by reaching out to them on a nuclear deal, they never told the American people they began to ease up on the Trump sanctions because they wanted to convince the Iranians that they were sincere about working uh, with them. Meanwhile, we know that what this behavior is. It's not the Arabs who have destabilized the Middle East. It's not the Israelis who have destabilized the Middle East. It's the Iranians and the radical Islamists. And that is who we should be organized against. We have had it wrong. It's dead wrong right now as we speak. General Jack, I had Gordon Chang on a couple of hours ago when I just read today that uh, they spotted as many as 150. That's a lot of planes, Chinese planes, over Taiwan. And we keep hearing... The two easy ways to get to World War III, Putin goes into Poland, and the more likely scenario, China goes into Taiwan, something that we never heard once even flirted with when my friend Donald Trump was president. So with 150 planes over Taiwan, what are the odds you think that China does do it, and does that really mean, does that really mean World War III? Well, I think... The most dangerous scenario is certainly that President Xi does what he's threatened to do, 
and that is take Taiwan by force, and that means an invasion. I think the most likely scenario for him, because he's had success in the region and he hasn't fired a shot, I think the likely thing is he would expand what you're just describing, that he would use an air blockade and a maritime blockade to take control of Taiwan without firing a shot and doing it, and then forcing the Taiwanese and the Americans to do something about it. I think that is much more likely, and obviously that could lead uh, to armed conflict. The seriousness of this is not just not the threat of war. It's the fact that our military capability, because of 9-11, has eroded in the region. The United States is the world's number one military superpower, capable of projecting power all over the world to the 380-plus bases we have. But when we get within 1,500 miles of mainland China, the advantage militarily switches to China because they outgun us and outman us. They've got more offensive missiles, better, more defensive missiles, better, and more ships and airplanes than we have. And that's the harsh reality of it. And we've got to move with a sense of urgency to fix this. And the administration isn't doing nearly enough to fix the military erosion that I'm speaking very frankly about. The military erosion, uh, General Jack, and also maybe the media makes too much of this, my side of the media, I should say, and that's why you're great, great to talk to this morning, and that is this woke army. You know, you keep hearing, oh, the army is too woke. They're more concerned about sexual preferences and gender, and that's weakened our army as well. Any truth to that? I'm very close to the military. Listen, that is an exaggerated issue. We've always had equal opportunity classes since I was a pup, a second lieutenant. And uh, those things are, are very few and far between. What our troops are doing this, they're sailing ships, they're flying airplanes. I'm an infantry paratrooper, ranger all my life. They're jumping out of airplanes. They're doing tough, meaningful training. We got record high, 50-year high retention in our services. Why is that? Because they feel good about what they're doing. That, and they, it has meaning and purpose to their life. We got a recruiting problem, but that's a different issue. The wokeness is seriously exaggerated, in my view, for political reasons.